Blog Talk Radio. Hello, how you doing? We're hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting knowledge that is engaging, transforming, empowering listeners to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around them. You are welcome to join us in this illuminating journey by calling our call-in number, 917-388-4293. You can join us in on the live chat on blogtalkradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can email us at ltdeal at cox.net, Facebook. We're on Facebook. Follow us there. Join in with the great dialogue that we're sharing here. Once again, I am excited, uh, enthused, overwhelmed to be able to be on the air this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I'm rejoicing in it. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning that once again, you've allowed us to see your mercies that are new, your compassions that are new, and your faithfulness that doesn't fail. As we go into this broadcast, this word, into this dialogue, discussion, God, have your way. 
provide insight and illumination as we may know your will and be glorifying to you. God is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen. Well, I'm glad that you joined in with us today. We're excited. You know, I've been saying this, and I'm, I'm saying it all the time now. This year is moving so fast, so, so fast. And um, it's August, and you know, it's you expect it to be hot in August. And, I mean, it has been hot. Uh, everybody's experiencing those uh, high-end numbers on the temperature scale. But I, you know, I ain't complaining. Uh, I'm not going to complain at all. I'm glad to be alive to be able to feel the heat. And it's like some people say, I'd rather feel the heat on this side of the earth <laughs> than to feel it on the other side. Well, well, we're just glad to be on the air this morning. I've had a wonderful week, a wonderful weekend. Uh, glad it got a little rain from the tropical, whatever they call it, the tropical uh, depression or tropical storm. I don't know what it is, but. It brought a little rain, a little rain in, and kind of cooled us down here a little bit. And uh, now it's hovering; it's just standing over, you know, just commit, uh, causing a lot of storms. And I, I woke up this morning uh, to a storm, and I was like, "Wow, this is how the rest of the week is going to look." But nonetheless, I'm just glad we haven't had a, a hurricane. We hadn't had any bad storms hit the Gulf area, and I'm excited. And, you know, there's really not any news to bring from the Gulf other than president came by. He went down to Florida to visit, uh, I want to say it was Panama Panama Beach, and he and his daughter Sasha got into the water and took a swim. Um, they ate some seafood and was done mostly to promote, uh, you know, tourism. Uh, it was, I call it a photo op for the president, you know. Hey, the president is in the water. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it'll work, maybe it won't work, I don't know. But um uh the cap is on, it's still sealed and you know, they're finding little bits of oil and traces of oil in uh, various parts of the Gulf, but they are cleaning it up and they're still trying to finish the relief well. And you know, the good thing I I've been saying this for some time, the good thing is that not only have they been on task, they've completed the task and they completed it before they said they would, you know, they completed it ahead of time. So I give props to BP and the crew and all those who are down here in uh, in the Gulf Coast working and cleaning up and doing all the things. We really appreciate you and appreciate your efforts. And I know you all, are, I know they're doing all they can. Now, I'm not putting a pinch, uh, pitch in for them. I'm just acknowledging the fact that they did what they said they would do. And uh, things are, are moving forward. And all we're waiting for now is, uh, people to get back to work, and some have, and some have not. But God be praised. I get some more news here, in for a second before we get into our topic today. Last week, a California judge overturned Prop Eight, Proposition Eight, and um, and he didn't really give us his reasons for that. Well, the the main reason he said is that um, they were being homosexuals were being uh, violated of their uh, civil rights to marry basic civil rights uh, uh, discrimination uh, as such. And, you know, we all use, uh, a lot of people are beginning to use that argument. And at the time when that argument was being used, people didn't want to hear it. But now people are more open to it, and it's rather disturbing. It's really rather disturbing how how um, how abused this is being. Uh, civil rights and all of this is being now I'm not talking about it against it maybe I should shut up before I stick my foot in my mouth <laughs> but it's just the fact that um, as early as this Wednesday there could be um, recognized homosexual marriages in the state of California and the question is what is that how is that going to affect the rest of the states is it a state's right issue is it a federal issue uh, there's some interesting dynamics that we're going to see develop as a result of that. But be prayerful uh, because there's a lot of chaos that's going to erupt from that also. So, um, um, last week also, a serial stabber was arrested. He'd been on, going across the country and yeah, been stabbing people beginning in Flint, Michigan, Ohio, and a couple other places. And he was captured in Atlanta, getting ready to board a plane to go to Israel. 
and uh, you know they got a lot of coverage, uh, a lot of coverage about it. But once they discovered his ethnicity, it's as if the coverage died all of a sudden. I mean, it's it squashed. You didn't hear much about it after that. Once they found out that he was an Arab Israeli, uh, all of a sudden, you didn't hear anything about it. And I was, I was, I started to wonder. Well, why was it squashed all of a sudden? Was it because most of his victims just happened to be African American males, or was it the fact that he had just happened to be Arab? Made me wonder. I hope it makes you wonder too. But uh, hopefully, justice will be done. He's being extradited, um, and you know he has to face the court system now. And hopefully, our, our court system, our justice system, will do its job. And, and, you know, I believe it says as many as five people were killed because of this, this incident. But nonetheless, uh, he has been captured. And, and, again, I just asked the question, why wasn't that, you know, right after he was captured, boom, it was over with. Yeah, Maybe I just missed all those new broadcasts. Also, last week, if you're familiar with the radio talk show host, Dr. Lawyer, Dr. Laura, not Dr. Lawyer, Dr. Laura, she was on the radio with a African American woman, black woman, talking about her family, and she's involved with an interracial marriage, and and all of a sudden, she, you know, Doctor Laura kind of gets a little ballistic. She starts talking about, she starts using the N word, and she's according to uh, transcripts about eleven times through the the conversation between her and the, the woman. And the way she used it, it was, I mean, it was as if it didn't bother her at all. You know, she just said, in, 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 in. I'm not going to say it, but, you know. And then she had the nerve to say, well, black comedians use it, and it's on HBO, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact was the matter, you know, she said, and then, had, you know, of course, she apologized for it. Um, and I hadn't really seen much of the outrage from it, from the black community, as I would have liked, there was one uh, person on Fox News, one black conservative, who spoke about it. But um, you know, that's that's a whole different ball game. But it's just the fact that um, you know the NWCP supposedly buried the N word, but uh, we haven't stopped using it. <laughs> black folk, you, you got any black folk that you know, they they use it regularly. Um, and they say it's a term of affection, endearment, and all of that. I, you know, I, 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 I have used it and have been called it, <laughs> but um, I still don't think is. You know, we get a problem. The, the problem is that we get a problem when white folks use it. You know, and then we get all upset, but we allow ourselves to use it. I, I, I don't understand uh, the dichotomy the of the black people. Uh, we're going to take a quick break And we'll come back from the break We have a caller who's going to be on the line We're going to join that caller As soon as we come back from this break about 
uh, a topic today that's, that's dear to me, being a minister and a pastor. Uh, the topic is confusing milk for meat. Why are there so many immature Christians in the church? And um, uh, when when I when I peruse this uh, this topic, uh, of course, I, I I got it basically from from scripture. Scripture mentions about babes and milk and things of that nature. Uh, in First Corinthians chapter three verse two and uh, chapter nine verse seven, and uh, primarily I, I I got mine from Hebrews chapter five. Um, verses 12 to 14, and it talks about there's a time when Christian believers should be teachers, but unfortunately most of them are not teachers. They're still babes. They're still on milk. They're still on on the simple stuff. And actually the word milk there in the Greek is gala, and it really metaphorically means they're, they're settling for the less difficult truths of Christianity. Instead of meat, uh, which is the firm and the steady, the the, the firm foundation of the Christian uh, gospel, and that's what's going on in modern Christianity. Uh, there are so many people who um, confuse. Uh, they they don't address the serious issues because they don't want to offend anybody, or they don't understand it, so they don't teach about it, they don't preach about it, uh, or they just don't care. You know, in the modern church, you have so many, so much that's going on, so many people teaching that it is quite a bit division going on, and it's hard to find authentic truth. And when people find authentic truth, they tend to cringe at it because it cuts and it, you know, it heals and restores, but also it offends and it causes a lot of people to not like you. And the modern church is basically all about liking me, liking myself, and uh, somebody liking me, approving me. And unfortunately, that's where we are in the Christian church. I have a caller on the line. I'm going to bring that caller on and hear what you have to say. How you Hello, doing? Caller? Yes, hey, how you how doing? doing? Tell me where you're calling from. I'm calling from Florida. I'm originally from New York. I'm calling from Florida. The name is uh, DJ CBS, and um, uh-huh. I, I I needed this today to be honest with you. I'm gonna get to to what what you're talking about, but you mind if I um, ask you a quick question? Sure, go right ahead. Today is the day last year my wife passed away, and I was wondering if I can get like a uh, the prayer that you just did when I called in was a blessing. And I know, you know, I'm, I'm as faithful as I can be to God, but in the world everybody's a sinner, according to myself. And, you know, listening to the little bit that you've been talking about, the milk and bread, I'm going get, to get to that right now, um, makes me think, you know, um, the confusion of that, are you talking about people when you say milk and bread, or are you talking about nurturing life? Am I talking about people or what? Are you talking about food or people when you say bread, milk, and meat? Are you talking about the life or are you talking about, like, the people that confuse it? Uh, It's actually a little bit of both. Um, When Scripture addresses this issue, Scripture talks into it uh, as a physical and as a spiritual uh, issue. Paul addresses it in 1 Corinthians 8 when he's talking to the people about uh, those who were not observing certain festivals or were trying to. Uh, and he says it's okay to observe different things, to eat different meat because meat is for the body and, you know, such and such. And he says it's, it's good to do so. And then in Hebrews, the author talks about meat being spiritual and that it, um, it should be a sign of your Christian maturity. And that, you know, as, as Jesus says, you should, uh, people would know you by the fruit that you bear. They would know you, my, my disciples, by your fruit. And that, in that sense, is that. So it's a little bit of both. Okay. All right. That, that sounds interesting. I mean, you know, like I, like I said, when I, you know, before I ask that question, I just go a little, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people lost a lot of, a lot of loved ones. You know, but last year, um, on this date, 
I may I, I'm also on Blog Talk Radio myself. But um last time this day I lost my wife. And I had to listen to your show to give me a little uplifting. Even though I do believe in God, I definitely do. But I wanted to listen to your show and also talk with you because I think it would uplift me on being sad and thinking about my wife being gone, you know what I'm saying, and, 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 and just try to keep the faith and keep my mind righteous. You understand what I'm saying? Well, brother, I do appreciate you. I'm going to pray with and and I'm going to share with you too. I, I just lost my, my brother this year. Um, my brother was murdered earlier this year, and we buried him, and it was very difficult to to uh, deal with that, uh, partially because uh, my testimony, my mother was murdered also 30 years ago. And yeah, my wife, I don't really tell a lot of people, you know, I don't believe in the, like I had people told me how my wife goes through and I don't really believe in that. Um, somebody could read you, if you understand what I'm saying. The only one I think that could read you is God, but they read and they knew how my wife died before I, you know, I didn't even tell them and it scared me, you understand what I'm saying? And I'm like, wow, this person knew how my wife died and everything and I didn't tell them, and they knew that I did music. They knew a lot of stuff, and I'm like, I don't really, when I see psychics, I don't believe in that because that I don't think, from my opinion, that's a godly thing. Do you agree with that? Uh, no, psychics is not godly at all. No, no. All right. But there, well, there, are, there are biblical um, and sound <laughs> people who have the gifts of prophecy and and word of knowledge and words of wisdom and that's a spiritual gift. Brother, uh I'm gonna pray with you, then I have to move on. Uh let me pray with you real quick and uh you keep listening and if you have something else to share with us you can feel free to call back in and join in on the uh, chat line and share comments. All right. Okay. Is that okay? All right, Father, yes. thank you for this brother who's calling in and I understand that all that he's been experiencing and Father God, you are aware of everything we go through. You're not distant from us. And I pray, God, that you would increase his brother's strength, heal his faith, restore his soul, and do all that he needs so that he can have a sound relationship with you. And I pray, Father God, that you would build him up where he is uh, torn down and strengthen him where he is weak. We ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, brother. Uh, Keep on listening, and we appreciate you calling in. Yeah, I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to hit two. I'll still be online, but, I mean, I'll hit two and just listen if that's okay with you, bro. Not a problem. Okay, thank you. All right. Uh, I appreciate your brother calling in, and, and that's what this call is, uh, this show is for. Uh, we, we, As a pastor, as a pastor, you know, we are called to minister. And so many times, um, you know, we seek our own selfishness and we get caught up and in other things that we forget that to minister, and I appreciate the call. Uh, let me keep keep on into the topic I was talking about. Um, we're talking about um, confusing milk for meat, um, spiritual immaturity in the church. And as I said with the caller, uh, when we're talking about meat, uh, Scripture addresses meat and milk in both the physical and the spiritual sense and um, the mer- metaphorical sense. Uh, he says that uh, the author, particularly in Hebrews, and uh, everywhere that you see the word milk used in the New Testament, which is about five or six times in the New Testament, is the same same uh, Greek word, um, gala. And it basically means, yes, literally milk, but metaphorically it means um, avoiding the hard truths of the Christian faith. And if you look in uh, the postmodern church, that is pretty much what has been happening throughout the church. Uh, we've been avoiding the hard truth so that we can compromise and identify and relate and be relevant and be hip. Uh, and that has done some serious damage. Uh, and I, I think um, immaturity in the Christian church is, is caused by uh, several reasons, but uh, I'm, I'll give you a couple of things that I believe. I believe biblical illiteracy is primarily a large um a large reason why that is going why there is immaturity in the church. Uh 
and uh, there's an overwhelming sense of selfishness in the postmodern church. It's all about me. And I know some people ain't going to like this one, but particularly in a black church, there is the secularization of uh, contemporary black gospel music. And I think those are some uh, some of the larger reasons that um, that there are immature Christians in the church. And we're going to address those things, uh, pretty much those three uh those three issues, uh, biblical illiteracy, uh, overwhelming selfishness in the postmodern church, and uh, the secularization of contemporary gospel. And before you get mad and y'all, before all y'all start talking about me, I've been there, I've done that, I've been on from one end of the spectrum to the other, and uh, I, I, I just want to, uh, I think this is just some of the things that's going on. I'm going to take a quick break, and when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about uh, biblical illiteracy. We're going to talk about, and we're going to get as much as we can talking about that. And um, we're going to talk about, of course, I really want to get into the um, uh, the, the gospel. <laughs> but you guys know how I am. Don't even, don't even start with me. All right, we're going to take a right break, and we'll be right back after this. <laughs> Breach in the Family, a new and exciting book by Pastor Lorenzo T. Neal. Available now on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, Borders, and in your local bookstore. A Breach in the Family addresses issues that directly or indirectly create conflict and confusion in families that create breaches of secrecy, bitterness, anguish, and alienation. Described as a tell-all for dysfunctional families, A Breach in the Family is a must-have. So order your copy today. Welcome back to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. We're talking about confusing milk for meat, uh, uh, spiritual immaturity in the Christian church. And we're going to talk about biblical illiteracy, overwhelming selfishness in the church, and um, uh, secularization of gospel music. Now, I've been in ministry, public ministry, over 20 years. I've been in pastoral ministry uh, a little over 10 years. And I've heard and I've experienced quite a lot. Now, I've, and, and I, from my personal experience, you know, I've followed the trending preachers, you know, the, the big-name preachers, or the ones who are on TBN, those who are uh, have their shows on BET, things of those nature. And I probably, I'm, I'm probably like a lot of you were or are or have been, you know, you basically you think that they're so anointed because they got to be anointed because they're on television, they're on the radio, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, you order their tapes and you order their books and all of those things, only to come to find out that much of what they're saying uh, doesn't make sense, or it's forced to make sense. Um, I, I've been there, I've done that. And I know a lot of people out of there, uh, and and I know a lot of people who basically regurgitate what they hear instead of studying scripture for themselves. 
Uh, I'll say that again. They regurgitate what they hear instead of studying scripture for themselves. And this includes listening to scripture. Uh, you got to understand, a lot of people, uh, they interpret scriptures based on what they've heard someone else or how they've heard someone else use their scripture. And then they go to, okay, somebody quoted this, and they go just to check to see if they quoted it right. And they think that they're studying scripture. And that's irresponsible to begin with. And it is surely not studying scripture. I mean, I, when I was in high school, I had Muslims who knew the Bible backwards and forwards. And oftentimes, you know, we would get in discussions, and they throw out a scripture, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, how do I come back with that? <laughs> you know, and then on top of that, not only did they throw out the scripture, but they would interpret the scripture correctly. They weren't just throwing out scriptures just left and right, left and right to let them, you know, make it seem like they knew but they were throwing it and they were interpreting it and applying it within the context of it, how it was supposed to be uh, responded, how it was supposed to be interpreted, and how it was supposed to be quoted. And unfortunately, in a lot of churches, that is not going on today. Um, like, like I said before, a lot of churches, a lot of pastors, a lot of teachers, all these folk who call themselves fivefold, and I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying that a lot of these people are putting titles and using these things, uh, these titles, these positions, are basically illiterate. And when I say illiterate, when it comes to Scripture, they can read Scripture, they can quote Scripture, but they're not applying Scripture in the context that it's supposed to be. Uh, uh, let me use Scripture to support that. Of course, First Timothy, uh, I mean Second Timothy, Two and uh, fifteen says study to show yourself approved workman to God rightly dividing that doesn't need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth and um, when it comes to um, when it comes to text scripture uh, text there are two ways that we do uh, that we are to interpret scripture or uh, understand scripture and there's two ways that we can um, Break scripture apart. Uh, it's uh, exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis is exegesis is when you go into the scripture and you tear apart everything. You go in and you rip apart. You don't rip apart, but you go in and you break down everything and you put it within its context, its uh, metaphorical context, historical context, um, anything uh, that you can relate to historical, cultural, literary context. That's what you do when you exegete scripture, okay? And there are a lot of people who do that. A lot of preachers do that. Uh, uh, I'm not knocking those who uh, don't. But most preachers, especially in the black preaching tradition, do what's called eisegesis. Eisegesis is the exact opposite of when you exegete scripture, you use the scripture and you pull out what the scripture said. Eisegesis is when you read into scripture. In other words, you're seeing something that could be there that may not be there, and you're expounding on that. And that's what's uh, that's what happens. That's what's going on in a lot of the churches. And I say in the black pre preaching tradition, uh, one because that's the tradition that I come out of. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a black preacher. And the wonderful thing about black preaching in the black preaching tradition, aside from the hoop, uh, the, the, the exciting part that makes us get up and swell and you know, clap our hands and, and, and jump and shout, uh, is that many of, uh, in the early traditions of black preaching, and, and still, there's still some great preachers who do that today, they were able to go in and not just exegete the scripture, because a lot of them were unlearned. unlearned. They didn't, you know, they didn't have uh, proper training, you know, training proper, seminary training proper. But they were able to go into the scripture and see beyond what was there and pull it out. You know, exegesis is taking, you know, like the root word and, and then going into the the verbiage and getting gender neutral nouns, pronouns, and applying all of that and then pulling all of that out. You know, it's hard work. Eisegesis is looking into that and seeing all of that, but just instead of just pulling it out for meat, 
you're just leading, you know, just basically scraping across the table and then, you know, pulling it out, uh, uh, then just going forward from there. A lot of preachers, black preachers use eisegesis because it was relatable. Uh, you think about, you know, how we talk about uh, the children of Israel and we related the black struggle with the children of Israel and Moses and all of that and um, and liberation theology, Jesus being the savior of the oppressed, called to oppress when he says, uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to set at liberty them that are bruised to set the captives free. And that kind of force empowered the black church to do a lot of things. But unfortunately, that same method of scripture study is uh, contributing to our biblical ignorance. Because now people are searching for what they're calling um, revelation. And when, when when I talk about revelation, most people, you know, most people think that um, Revelation involves something deep, and, and I'm not talking about the book Revelation in, in the text, in the Codex of Scripture. I'm talking about uh, what is considered extra-biblical revelation, that stuff that comes from somewhere else, you know, way out yonder, and uh, <laughs> some of it comes from far field, and some of it you just wonder where it comes from. Uh, and they search the Scriptures. They try to find this deep, deep, deep thing. And all time in in the process of doing that, what happens is they misinterpret the scripture, and, and that happens a lot in the Word of Faith movement, in the Prosperity Gospel movement, and um, the Emergent Church movement. Some of you may be familiar with that, some of you may not be, but that happens quite a bit where people, or preachers in particular, uh, they 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 try to find the extra meaning in the scripture. And when they think they find it, they push it and they promote it. And unfortunately, about 85% of the time it's very incorrect. And it leads to um, people not really wanting to get the firmness, the meat of the Scripture. Uh, Jesus used Scripture himself. And, and for example, at John, when he's addressing uh uh, Pharisees and leaders he says, search the scriptures in them you believe you uh, have eternal life but they testify of me and anytime you hear preachers using scriptures and it does not come back to Jesus there's a problem if it does not come back to when I was, when uh, you know, I came up in Baptist preaching tradition and the tradition was and still is you got to close with the cross it doesn't matter what you were talking to. Some way, somehow, that has to come back to the cross. You got to put Jesus on the cross and take him on the cro- off the cross and get him up there. <laughs> and it, I, I love that because now can't do it with everything, but <laughs> it's hard to do that in the Song of Solomon <laughs> sometimes. But it has to come back to the cross, and if it doesn't come back to the cross, that is considered not preaching. You haven't preached until you got them, you know, till you got them to the cross and you got them off the cross and you got them raised from the dead. A lot of what's going on today is what I call an epidemic of exegetical fallacies. In other words, preachers are taking scripture and they're forcing it to work when and where it doesn't. And this is coming from trained seminary trained and non-trained but I'm a seminary trained preacher. Uh you know I I've gone through, I was blessed. My my home pastor blessed me when I was still in high school to send me to Bible college, you know. I was going to United Theological Seminary and Bible College in Monroe, Louisiana, where I was still a junior and senior in high school. I was learning my Greek and I was learning my Hebrew and I was learning scripture. I was learning Homiletics, and I got a C in homiletics. I can't believe how I did it. And then the next semester, I ended up getting a better grade. <laughs> but I was doing all of that while marching in the band in high school, you know. And then when I got to seminary, it just took it to a whole different level because the instructors that I had in seminary were very challenging, especially in the black faith tradition. But uh, let me let me stay on task here. A lot of what they were doing, uh, what modern preachers are doing, is Basically, 
They're creating fallacies. They're uh, they're creating false logic, using bad logic, bad rhetoric, all kinds of things. And basically, what a fallacy is is a misconception. It uh, you take reason, take an argument, and you can do it by accident or, dis- or or by design, and you basically exploit the listener. And what happens is you take something that could be right, but you misinterpret it, misrepresent it, and it becomes incorrect. Something that is correct, it becomes incorrect. And so few people uh, take the time to search the scripture. Matter of fact, um, a lot of times people don't want to, I mean, you know, reading the Bible, I've read through the Bible, I don't know how many times from cover to cover, but reading the Bible isn't sufficient when it comes to studying the scripture. Memorizing scriptures, memorizing verses, that's good, but that's not sufficient when it comes to studying scriptures. You actually must put forth the time and the effort to understand context and all of that. And, you know, a lot of us preachers, we we don't put forth the time and the effort, and we try to find a quick one, and, oh, this sounds good, and somebody else, you know, uh, it used to be that some people misinterpret the scripture, you know, they're saying that, a prophet will confirm a prophet, basically. So somebody says something, and then in one place, and then another person comes back and says the exact same thing or something very similar, then that must be right, even if it's incorrect. And I've I've heard preachers, uh, not just in television, I'm talking about local preachers, you know, say some things that were very incorrect, but they quote the people that they got that, you know, they quote their sources. And unfortunately, those sources uh, do not, study the word of God faithfully or not I'm not going to say faithfully um correctly and it it basically boils down to uh basic apologetics rightly dividing scripture what does rightly dividing scripture mean that means looking at it and knowing how it how it's applied then and how it should be applied now and when you look at it that way you have a better chance of doing it but like I said a lot of Christians are babes sicking on milk. And again, when I say milk, that referring to the tough things that the Bible speaks on, um, like adultery, like fornication, and uh, all these other things that we don't want to talk about, or we just slide at, slide out now, you know, slide out, slide over. But we want to talk about homosexuality and all those other things because those are hot-button issues. Um, but the reality is, that we must be informed to be engaged. And to be engaged, we must search the one who engages us through Scripture, and that's God himself. And God is revealed through Scripture. His plan is revealed through Scripture. And when we search the Scriptures properly and accurately, we will be better at growing spiritually and making disciples. Uh, Let's look at one other thing here. Postmodern churches very selfish. Second uh, Timothy chapter three, uh, verse two through seven, uh, reads this: When men will be lovers of themselves, boastful, covetous, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those who are good, traitors. Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For this sort of thing are, are they which creep in the houses and lead captivity, uh, city women laden with sins, led away with different lusts, ever learning and never, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, does that not describe the modern church? Think about it. We have... How many how many preachers do you know that call themselves doctor? How many preachers do you know who say that they uh, all of a sudden you know you know they didn't even they they didn't go to college but they're doctor so and so you know and it gives this sense of authority. And I, I guess I should have talked about that with the last t- subject, but it, uh, basically this is applying to the the modern church. Look at the modern church. We're selfish. We are false accusers. 
uh, definitely despising those who are doing good. Um, when you and this is what what this this addresses is think about the churches. Uh, and I didn't know this until recently. There there are many many churches that are rising up uh, or being started uh, within the past thirty or twenty to thirty years that are self oriented and pop psychology has you know basically every message in some churches how to be best you or how to overcome your fears or how to uh increase your life or how to do this how to do that and it's you centered you centered and yes God wants us to have abundant life and God wants us to be prosperous and everything but all that is centered around him and not us you can't there are no 12 steps there are no 12 steps to righteousness because you can't be righteous. Uh, you won't find that in the scripture. You, you know, you won't find how to be a righteous man or how to be a righteous lady because it's, it's not found in scripture. What you will find is that your righteousness, your best behavior, your good works are nothing at its best. It's still uh, filthy because you were born in we. As people were born in sin, shaping in iniquity, there's no, no good are found among us, not one. Not even the best of us has the worst. So when we start focusing and shifting sermons on, on how you can do this and how you can have, uh, for example, uh, <laughs> if you go to, um, there's this website, it's called the Museum of Idolatry. <laughs> I mean, it really addresses quite a few things. And it's hilarious, some of it on there. But it it, it monitors and tracks the churches, uh, the churches move toward being relevant. And when I say relevant, you know, trying to fit in, not offend anybody, and and, um, and all of this. But the fact is, we were called not to be relevant, but to be different. And the moment we try to be different. That's when we're showing forth that God is really, really, really working in us because we are not to be conformed to the world, but we are to be transformed. We are to come out of the world, yet be in the world, and demonstrate not what the world is demonstrating outside in the church, which is what a lot of people are doing, but to demonstrate what God has called us from. That's what makes, you know, we are his chosen people, the sheep of his pastor. We are chosen generation. We are called from darkness into his marvelous light. And that is not selfish. That is selfless. We're taking the emphasis off us and what we want and what we can do and putting the emphasis on God and what he has called us to do, what he does in us, through us, for us, because we cannot do anything ourselves. We did not save ourselves. Some people think, some people like to believe that they, you know, they got themselves saved. Uh, and there are actually churches that teach, you know, you earn salvation. No, you don't earn salvation. Salvation is a gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Grace is a gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Favor is a gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. And for those folk who think that uh, favor is fair, uh, favor ain't fair, favor is fair because God is the giver of favor. There's nothing you can do. He gives it to whoever he wants to. He gives it freely and liberally. Uh, so, so you know, we we find ourselves in this world where pop psychology has crept into the church, and it's all about me. I'm not if I'm not wealthy, it must be my fault. No, maybe God didn't want you to have extreme amount of wealth. Uh, I'm not happy. Well, if you're not happy, why you know that's not God's fault. But you can find in Scripture where God can help you be happy. And when I say find it in Scripture, that doesn't mean go and look. You know, God, God can heal you. God, all kinds of things. Sometimes we just got to learn to struggle with grief and struggle with life. I know some people don't like that. Uh, it talks about traitors. And there are a lot of traitors in the Christian faith because of compromise. Basically, we compromise uh, on the faith. We compromise on on walks of faith and walks of life to try to appease to the to masses. Look, I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Uh, quick break real quick. <laughs> I'm going to take a break. Uh, we got a lot going on in the chat room. Join in the chat room. Join the conversation. 
let your comments and things be known. Feel free to call in on the on the line nine one seven three eight eight four two nine three. Leave comments, uh, Facebook, whatever you want to do. We're gonna take this quick break. Be back in a minute. Doing your best to be your best is only helping you. 
It's not doing anything to uh, for your salvation. And yes, the scripture says uh, work on your salvation. You know, work in the vocation of what you were called. The scripture does say that. But in doing so, those were outward expressions of an inward faith. Uh, because of what Christ has done for you and through you, or what God did for you and through you through Jesus Christ, and your faith in that, when you confessed and you believed that God did it, and, you know, he raised him from the dead, and he um, was the propitiation of your sin. He made oblation of himself once and forever, a sacrifice that no other one needs to make a sacrifice. Then it kind of takes you off the hook for that part because you don't have to ask, offer any kind of sacrifices. However, you still must show forth uh, that you are a disciple. And Christ said, you know, people know you my disciples by your love one for another. And love does not mean compromise. Love does not mean tolerate. Uh, because we are called to judge the world just as we are called to judge the angels, as Paul wrote in uh, Corinthians. We'll be judging of that. But the word judge there uh, does not mean that, you know, we talk bad, talk down, or uh, all of that. It simply means that we are putting it in with correct context, um, way the way that God sees it. When we're saying a person is in sin, we're not calling them a sinner. We already are. All of us are. But we're simply saying that those persons who are in those situations are not free. They're not free as they could be. You know, they may be enjoying life and all of that. That's all well and good because, you know, I know a lot of a lot of people who go to church and sin a lot and enjoy their life while those of us who go to church and try to be holy, we seem to don't enjoy our life because all our time is trying to be holy. You know, I've been there, done that. But when I'm when, uh, trying to tie this in with the context of what I was, uh, the, the show topic, most of us uh, spend too much of our time Selling for the basic stuff. Uh, we never move past past the basics. God loves you. God is love. Jesus died, rose again, and we don't. We're not willing to confront the serious part of the Christian walk, the Christian faith. Uh, and yes, that has been abused. We can go through history and see how that has been abused. You know, Catholic Church and all of that. But in being abused, that's one thing. But in being applied is another thing. And we must be willing to not just say that um, uh, that we're not going to confront the world and engage the world with the gospel of, of Christ. We must be willing to confront. We must be willing to move past the small, uh, the, you know, tackle the tough issues. And uh, I, I got a book I, I want to recommend before we get off the air. Uh, Norman Geisler and Thomas Hole, they're two great modern theologians and teachers of the gospel, teach, biblical scholars. Uh, they have a, a book called Making Sense of Biblical uh, Bible Difficulties. And I think once we begin to have a better understanding of Scripture within the context and we understand the hard Scriptures, the difficult Scriptures, the uh, Scriptures that seem out of place in the Bible, and we understand that God is still involved in that, and its creation and its application for us today, we will begin to mature. We will begin to grow. We will begin to see that um, that we can be relevant without uh, committing fraud, without or without um, without hurting, but loving. Listen, I've been I really enjoyed the show. Uh, if you want, we, we're still going to be in the chat room having a great conversation. Tune in again with us. Uh, we appreciate everybody who's joined in on the line, called in. Uh, we thank you. We uh, thank God for the opportunity. Uh, but it's time for us to go. Until the Lord allows us to come back next week, we are going to be here on the battlefield. Thank you for joining us today on Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Join us again. Stay on the line. If you uh, uh, stay in the chat room, we'll be in the chat room, and uh, a content about the show.